This episode is brought to you by GoSim. Get your free SIM card and start saving 85% on calls from abroad by visiting GoSim.com slash Best of the Left. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Rachel Maddow Show, The Onion Radio News, Counterspin, The Daily Show, The Bugle, The Colbert Report, The Progressive, and Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. The bonus clip for today for our iPhone app users is from The Colbert Report. For all of the controversy it has caused and all of the lives it has ruined, the merits of the don't ask, don't tell policy uh, have not been debated at a congressional hearing for 17 years. That changes tomorrow. The senator who led the fight for that hearing, New York's Kirsten Gillibrand, joins us next. Stay with us. This year, I will work with Congress and our military to finally repeal the law that denies gay Americans the right to serve the country they love because of who they are. It's the right thing to do. That was not the first time, just the most recent time, that President Obama clearly enunciated his opposition to the military's don't ask, don't tell policy. It's the policy that kicks qualified gay servicemen and women out of the military simply for being gay. Interestingly, new Department of Defense figures say that the number of people kicked out of the Army, the Air Force, the Navy, and Marines during President Obama's first year in office actually declined by about 30% from the year before. In 2008, 619 people were kicked out. In 2009, the number was down to 428. Tomorrow, for the first time since 1993, Don't Ask, Don't Tell will be debated at a congressional hearing. The Senate Armed Services Committee will hear testimony from Defense Secretary Bob Gates and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen. They are expected to lay out the Pentagon's coming effort to end the ban. Joining us now is Democratic Senator Kirsten Gillibrand of New York. Senator, thanks very much for coming in. It's nice to see you. My pleasure. Nice to have you here. Um, Can you give us any sort of preview about what you're expecting at the hearing tomorrow? Well, I think uh, Admiral Mullen and Secretary Gates will lay out some of the strategy for repeal policy. I think we will get testimony that this policy does undermine the military readiness of our armed services. So I'm looking forward to it. In terms of the Pentagon's options for implementing this, a number of proposals have been made by people who advocate getting rid of the policy, including an immediate moratorium. That's Mm -hmm. something that uh, you tried to introduce legislation calling for a moratorium, implementing the policy uh, until the full repeal could be arranged. Why do you think the White House hasn't pursued that? Well, I think it's been focused on a lot of things, but uh, I do think now is the time to act. And I think Congress can take its own action and repeal the policy. And during that time, uh, the president can also issue a stop loss or do a moratorium. So there's a number of measures we can take immediately to stop the enforcement of this very, very corrosive policy. It completely undermines the military readiness and strength of our armed services. And it's something that degrades and undermines the trust and integrity of our armed services. As, as a senator who's taken a keen issue in this subject, though, do you have a preference on whether this is done slowly or quickly, I guess? I'd like it to be done quickly. Yeah. We have two wars. We have terrorism threats everywhere in our United States, and we have to make sure that we have all the best and the brightest that are able to serve serving. Uh, as you said, in this past year alone, we've lost over 600 personnel. Uh, we need to keep all the best and brightest. And, and as you've covered in the past, we've lost you know, 10% of our foreign language speakers in Arabic and Farsi, languages that we really need in fighting terrorism. We've also lost over 800 personnel in mission critical areas, meaning they cannot be easily replaced. So now is the time to repeal this policy because we have urgent security concerns that we need all the best and the brightest serving. This is going to be one of those issues in which the issues of, uh, in which um, uh, the issue of the relationship between the military uh, and the political world is it has to be addressed overtly. I'm trying to be sort of sensitive about this, but essentially what I mean is that there will be questions as to whether or not the military knows what's best or politicians know what's best in terms of how to proceed here. When you hear from Admiral Mullen, when you hear from Secretary Gates tomorrow, is there a line for you? Is there a bright line where you think that what they're saying isn't won't, won't be fast enough, won't be enough, on which you will push them to go faster than they may want to go? Well, I hope that they lay out their plans about how 
they will repeal this policy and how they will implement a repeal. Okay. Congress can act individually to do the repeal. And in other countries, if you look at the UK, for example, Britain repealed a similar policy in 1999, and it took only less than a year, the following year, uh, to implement their repeal of their policy and saw no suffering of military readiness or morale in their armed services. So it can be done, and it doesn't have to take a long time. I trust the military to make a decision about what the best way to implement is, but Congress can take action now and provide the leadership that's necessary to repeal this policy immediately. In terms of building support for repeal and highlighting the, the, the harms of this policy as you see them, I know that you've been, uh, you've been trying to highlight the stories of people who've been kicked out of the military. You've got a website uh, linked to your link to your website or the mm -hmm. stories of some of the people who've been kicked out. Why did you do that and how does that work? Well, it's at my website. It's dadtstoryproject.com. Okay. And we have about 12 stories highlighted of individuals about what happened to them and how this policy affected them. And for me, it all started when uh, Lieutenant Dan Choi came to me and told me about his personal story. And this is a man who has accomplished so much in our military, one of our greatest heroes. And he talked about how he was being asked to lie every day about who he fundamentally is, who he loves, who he spends his free time with, and the corrosive effect that has on the basic command structure. And so his story is so moving and powerful, inspiring to me personally. I thought that the more stories we could bring to bear into the public discourse, it will move this debate forward to a place where we will earn the 60 votes we need to repeal it. Well, after Dan Choi uh, came out on the show, I can't tell you the number of people that we heard from, uh, both in the military and people who were moved by his story and wanted to do something about it. So, at least in his case, I can tell you from personal experience, it moves people. Bending spoons with my mind, manifesting Court bans same-sex friendships. It's the Onion Radio News. I'm Doyle Redland. In a case closely watched by activists and people who have friends, the Colorado State Supreme Court upheld a ban on same-sex friendships today, calling friendly contact between two people of the same gender unnatural. Judge Stephen Rosima. The two people, both men, for instance, should get together, maybe go out to eat, and otherwise relate in a friendly manner is wholly inappropriate. The ruling also bans conversations between people of the same sex, calling them, quote, an abomination before the Lord. Doyle Redmond for the Onion Radio. I love you, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, I love you. Yes, I Barack Obama pledged to do something about the military's don't ask, don't tell policy in his State of the Union address, and it looks like that might be happening. It's interesting to watch, then, the way some media outlets talk about gays and lesbians serving openly in the armed forces. Some reports refer to repealing the law as a controversial move, but according to whom? Opinion polls on the question show that by a wide margin, the public supports allowing gays and lesbians to serve. A Gallup poll from May of last year found 69% in favor of the idea. So be on the lookout for reporting that tries to tell you differently. Or take the case of ABC's Good Morning America, where on January 31st, anchor Bill Weir announced that this issue was, quote, very controversial from both sides of the political spectrum, close quote. The ensuing interview featured only one guest, an opponent of gays in the military, though viewers did see a graphic on the screen reminding them that the views they were airing unchallenged were those of a distinct minority of the public.
Yesterday, my home state of New Jersey, where I grew up, passed a law legalizing medical marijuana. To, they did it to help ease symptoms of diseases caused by living in New Jersey. But there was another bill up for debate that had people feeling a little less mellow. Wyatt Snack has more. New Jersey, it's rife with corruption, has the nation's highest property taxes and an $8 billion budget deficit. But now the Garden State faces its gravest threat. New Jersey has stepped closer to possibly legalizing same-sex marriage. Knowing the potential danger, gay marriage opponents converged on Trenton. What is the worst case scenario for New Jersey? other than it just being New Jersey. It's going to lead to uh, confused uh, children. It's going to lead even possibly to experimentation by teens. There is going to come a tide of perversion that this nation has not seen. It causes a curse on your soul. And it also uh, increases the abortion rate. Gay people will get married and have abortions? No. What's the word um, that the homosexuals use all the time? We have to... Uh, Fierce? But their compelling arguments didn't stop the Senate from scheduling a vote on gay marriage, setting the stage for gay marriage opponents to wage an historic battle. Washington was a man that trusted God, that prayed to God. And we are people that came together, prayed, and put it in God's hands. How are you like Washington? You had a group, a minority, and they believed and they fought for the cause. And as it was centuries ago, so it is today. If George Washington were here today, what do you think he would say about this fight? I think he would be standing next to me. I think he would be like, ah, what magic stick is this? Ah, where am I? Ah. Indeed, no comparison is more fitting. Just as George Washington and his men crossed the frigid Delaware to stage a nighttime attack on Hessian mercenaries in the Battle of Trenton, so had this ragtag group taken to the battlefield under the harshest conditions. It's a two-hour drive. Oh, wow. So, about an hour and a half. In about 20 minutes on 287 and down to 206. And then we drove around trying to find um, parking. Suddenly, there they were. The enemy. The Redcoats. Wait, hold on a second. Are the, are, are the gay people the British or are they more the Hessians? Uh, probably the Hessians. Then who are the British? Trannies? I, I really don't know. I'm... Uh, I know some history, but I'm not a history buff. The Patriots were badly outnumbered. The enemy attacked both the rear and front flanks, forming a classic reach-around maneuver, while still denying their imperialist intentions. How are you not like King George reigning tyranny on these patriotic Americans? We're fighting for the right to marry ourselves. We don't care about what other people's marriages, we just want our own marriages. Nobody is forcing anything on anybody. Do you ever wear tights? Yes. King George wore tights. With such a ferocious enemy bearing down, our patchwork militia from all walks of life face deepening division among its ranks. And what is your specific objection against the Jews? Well, they're, prom they're promoters of sodomy. Really? Yeah, it's, it's, right, it's right in the Talmud. There were some Hasids here earlier who were also against this bill. Yeah, that's all a cover story. They know they're going to get on TV, so they're looking, they're looking to create deception whereby, you know, externally it looks like they're against it, but they're really for it. Things looked bleak. The ideals that this country was founded upon were in danger of being perverted. Man, hey, hey, it's raining, man. No, 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 guys, no, it's not raining, man. They'd given everything they had. But would it be enough to beat off the gay armies in the state house? New Jersey state senators have defeated a bill to legalize gay marriage. It was just as our forefathers had envisioned, that one day people who had been discriminated against for their religion or the color of their skin could come together to discriminate against people for their sexual orientation without the slightest sense of irony. In this land of America where we live as Americans, as I myself being a female and being an African-American woman, I once 
upon a time, my forefathers, I didn't have a right to vote. I didn't have a right to a say in life, but now I have a right. We have the voice. And I'm so thankful today that um, the same-sex issue was rejected. Let freedom ring. Old pirates, yes, they rabbi, sold out to the merchant ships. Minutes after they took I from the bottomless pit, but my hand was made strong by the end of the Almighty. We forward in this generation triumphantly. Won't you help to sing? songs of freedom cause all I ever have redemption songs redemption songs gay people news now they're here, they're relentlessly discriminated against, they're depressingly used to it Andy if you are looking for the perfect, ironic juxtaposition of a rampantly homophobic individual with a suspiciously flamboyant dress sense, you go Pope every time. <laughs> Pope Benedict XVI, or Benny XVI, for those who like to f follow him on Twitter. <laughs> Apparently he was extremely pissed off that 15 Bennies got there before him. Pope Benny marked the announcement of his first papal visit to the UK with a major attack on the British government's equality legislation. That's right, he was attacking... Equality legislation, <laughs> not lack of equality legislation, <laughs> not that. Don't make that mistake. It was the equality legislation that got his golden cone head all steamed up. <laughs> the thing is, this legislation was proposed by Harriet Harman, right. who is so roundly disliked by large yeah. swathes of the British public that a lot of people have just assumed that the Pope is absolutely right <laughs> on this. By mere virtue of being opposed to harm. <laughs> he claims that the legislation threatens religious freedom and, I quote, natural law. What the f*** is natural law? What, what exactly does he mean by that? Because I think I've got suspicions and none of them are good. Because his and the church's concept of natural law seems to include an overt tolerance for institutional child abuse. I don't want to keep throwing those isolated thousands of incidents in his face, Andy, but he keeps making it very hard not to. He urged British priests and archbishops to invoke missionary zeal to resist these laws. And wow, if I've learnt one thing, Andy, from my patchy knowledge of history, it's that nothing good happens whenever missionary zeal is invoked. <laughs> no one invokes missionary zeal before settling down to cook a lovely omelette or, oh, or conjures up missionary zeal before going online to sponsor a penguin. It really is usually stirred up shortly before damning people to hell. <laughs> I, don't know, I get pretty passionate about my carbonara, John. Well, you know, you make a nice carbonara, Andy. Of course, uh, a lot of people have said that this legislation will force the Catholic Church to employ practising gays and transsexuals. <laughs> and I guess the response to that is, it won't. But let's all pretend <laughs> yeah. that it will, because it makes for a more entertaining squabble. Exactly. The recent legislation supposedly prevents Catholic adoption agencies from discriminating against gay couples, and the proposed equality bill will make it much harder for churches to exclude job applications from homosexuals or, as you say, people who've changed their gender. So you can see why he's so furious about this, Andy, because <laughs> these laws give gay people the option to have jobs and families, and we all know they can't be trusted with either of those. <laughs> they can be trusted with game show hosting and rollerblades, and that's pretty much all we've agreed on so far. <laughs> They've already got gold lame. What, why do they need anything more? But uh, the Pope, in fact, issued a statement, because it is, of course, a slippery slope if this kind of legislation yes. gets passed until people are legally obliged to marry people of the same sex, regardless of whether or not they want to. And the Pope um, issued a statement in Latin, in which uh, he again stated, Deus Adamum Evemque, non Adamum Stevemque, fake it. Which, of course, <laughs> translated means God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. <laughs> so... It's there in Latin, John. Can't argue with Latin. The Pope's full quote at uh, the, his conference was, the effect of some of the legislation designed to achieve this goal of equality, this goal of equality, not like the f tone of his voice there, <laughs> has, has been to impose unjust limitations on the freedom of religious communities to act in accordance with their beliefs. In some respects, it actually violates the natural law, there it is, <laughs> upon which the equality of all human beings is grounded and by which it is guaranteed. Oh, 
I'm sorry, Your Holiness. Was I intruding on you wanting to discriminate against people? I am dreadfully sorry. How rude of me. Please accept my entirely sarcastic apology. <laughs> he also said that staying true to the gospel, quote, in no way restricts the freedom of others, but rather serves their freedom by offering them the truth. Oh. <laughs> one way of looking at that particular <laughs> omelette. But uh, I'm not a Catholic, John, and I very uh-huh. much doubt that I uh, ever will be. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we should remember this is the same Pope who in December 2008 said that anything beyond regular heterosexual relations was a destruction of God's work. To me, seems to be a slightly odd way of going about destroying uh, God's work. <laughs> you know, indulging in sexual practices in the privacy of your own home. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, but shame that uh, his predecessor as uh, Pope didn't feel that he could similarly interfere with the march of Nazi Germany in the war. But, you know, <laughs> live and learn. The Pope's visit to England will be a state visit, meaning it will be paid for by the British taxpayer at a cost of reportedly up to £20 million in the middle of a huge recession. Could Andy the wealthiest religion in the world, not pick up the tab on this trip. (laughs) It is hard to have someone push the bill across the table to you whose house is made of gold. (laughs) The Archbishop of Westminster defended this position, uh, the Reverend Vincent Nichols. He said, We do not support the notion of discrimination, but you have to distinguish between people. (laughs) That is not successfully rejecting accusations of bigotry. That is just getting a thesaurus off the shelf. We do not support discrimination. We support favouritism. We like bias. It's very different. Most of the letters are not remotely the same. There's too much that I keep. Supporting the show today is GoSim. They have international cell phone plans that will save you around 85% when you travel abroad. Right now, for listeners of Best of the Left, they're offering free SIM cards for you to use in your own phone. You just add minutes to the plan when you travel, and those minutes never expire. The service works in 175 countries and in 75 countries, including all of Europe. You can receive calls and text messages for absolutely free. Check out this deal at gosim.com slash bestoftheleft. Be sure to use this special URL, which is also linked on my website so they know I sent you. GoSim.com slash best of the left. You may know that the person we just had as a guest on this show, Chris Matthews here at MSNBC, does a hardball college tour. Right before the midterm elections in 2006, Chris had Senator John McCain on the college tour with him in Iowa. They took questions from the crowd. Our military needs as many fine young men and women as it can get. So why do we still have a policy that discriminates on the basis of declared sexual orientation? I listen to people like General Colin Powell, the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and literally every military leader that I know, and they testified before Congress, that they felt that the don't ask, don't tell policy was the most appropriate way to conduct ourselves in the military. I understand the opposition to it, and I've had these debates and discussions, but the day that the, the leadership of the military comes to me and says, Senator, we ought to change the policy, then I think we ought to consider seriously changing it because those leaders in the military are the ones we give the responsibility to. That was John McCain speaking in 2006, telling Hardball that the day the leadership of the military says that don't ask, don't tell should be changed, on that day, he'd consider changing the policy. That day was today. It is my personal belief that allowing gays and lesbians to serve openly would be the right thing to do. No matter how I look at this issue, I cannot escape being troubled by the fact that we have in place a policy which forces young men and women to lie about who they are in order to defend their fellow citizens. For me, personally, it comes down to integrity. Theirs as individuals and ours as an institution. During the State of the Union address, the President announced he will work with Congress this year to repeal the law known as Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He subsequently directed the Department of Defense to begin the preparations necessary for a repeal of the current law and policy. I fully support the President's decision. 
Today, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, and the Defense Secretary, Bob Gates, both expressed unreserved support for repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And even though John McCain is on record saying that's what he would need to hear to be able to consider changing the policy, that isn't how John McCain reacted at today's hearing. At all. In fact, he sort of blew a gasket. I'm, I'm deeply disappointed uh, in your statement, Secretary Gates. Your statement obvious is one which is clearly biased without the view of Congress being taken into consideration. You are embarking on saying it's not whether the military prepares to make the change, but how we best prepare for it without ever hearing from members of Congress. So for John McCain, as long as the military leadership is against gay people serving in the military, he wants to defer to their judgment. But if the military leadership is for gay people serving in the military, he thinks the military leadership should defer to him. Last year, John McCain also did an interview with Anna Marie Cox on Air America Radio, in which the senator said that on his very first day in office, if he'd been elected president, he would have asked the chairman of the Joint Chiefs to review Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Right now, the Joint Chiefs have said that the policy is working and that in their view, it should be kept in place. But again, if I were president, the day I was elected or sworn in, I would have asked the chairman of the Joint Chiefs conduct a, 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 an in-depth study and come up with recommendations for me. The military is, in fact, doing an in-depth study of Don't Ask, Don't Tell Now, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says he thinks the policy should be repealed. Now that those things John McCain said he'd defer to are actually happening, Senator McCain has changed his mind about them. In addition to John McCain's collapse of credibility and embarrassing loss of temper on this issue today, a couple of important other things happened. First, Senator Carl Levin, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, made clear that dropping Don't Ask, Don't Tell can happen with not 60 votes, but 50 in the Senate, or, or maybe even 40. This was a sort of subtle but important moment at the hearing. Watch his exchange here with Joe Lieberman. It's up to us we, in the Congress and in the Senate. We've got, to, we've got to get 60 votes to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, or else it will remain in effect. Thank you. Uh, unless there's a provision inside the defense authorization bill um, that goes to the floor, which would then require an amendment to strike it from the bill, in which case the 60-vote rule would be turning the other way. And it is. It, very no, it's good. It is with great appreciation that I accept the higher wisdom of the chairman <laughs> of the committee. Senator Levin is saying that on the Senate side, if repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell could be done as part of a big defense bill, big defense authorization bill, which is how Don't Ask, Don't Tell became law in the first place, then it would actually take 60 votes to kill the repeal, not 60 votes to hold on to the policy, which means that even as the military is announcing a year-long process for studying and figuring out the implementation issues of getting rid of the policy, Congress could essentially move right away. There's no reason for Congress to wait. On the Senate side, at least, there is a clear path. The other important thing that happened today is that the opposition to repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell had a bad, bad, bad day in opposition. In addition to Senator McCain doing his big, awkward, angry public flip-flop on the matter, Senator Saxby Chambliss of Georgia tried on an argument that had at least one person in the hearing room, who was sitting about three rows behind me, um, audibly snorting coffee out of his or her nose. This was it. Military society is characterized by its own laws, rules, customs, and traditions, including restrictions on personal behavior that would not be acceptable in civilian society. Examples include alcohol use, adultery, fraternization, and body art. If we change this rule of don't ask, don't tell, what are we going to do with these other issues? It was at that moment um, that Senator Chambliss uttered the phrase, body art, that I distinctly heard somebody shoot coffee out their nose in the hearing room. Saxby Chambliss, our nation's watchdog over whether more civil rights will inexorably lead to more tattoos.
and some the basic talking points of Republicans against repealing Don't Ask, Don't Tell, aside from the it'll lead to more tattoos worry. Uh, essentially, their talking points are left over from 1993. Back then, they were able to turn the issue into bad politics for President Clinton by driving a wedge between him as a commander-in-chief who wanted to get rid of this donut, wanted to get rid of the prohibition on gays in the military, uh, and the military itself. Colin Powell against gays in the military, Bill Clinton for gays in the military. The political advantage went to Colin Powell and the conservatives on his side. That dynamic is over now. And conservatives who are trying to find an anti-gay ally this time around, and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, are embarrassing themselves by doing so. Watch this. It does go to, again, a sort of a fundamental principle with me, uh, which is everybody counts. And part of the struggle back to the institutional integrity aspect of this. Well, I know. We, and, we've and, appreciated your view. And putting individuals in a position that every single day they wonder whether today is going to be the day and devaluing them in that regard just as inconsistent with us as an institution. Uh, I have served with homosexuals since 1968. Senator McCain spoke to that in his statement. Everybody in the military has, and we understand that. So it is a, a, a number of things which cumulatively, for me personally, get me to this position. Senator Sessions, for me, this is about, this is not about command influence, this is about leadership. And I take that very seriously. And you can see in the face of Senator Jeff Sessions there that that leadership from the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Mike Mullen, is likely to make all the difference. I'm sorry, folks, but I got some bad news. We Americans once had the greatest military in the world. But yesterday, it was viciously degradified. In a Senate hearing on Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Admiral Mike Mullins, said this. It is my personal belief that allowing gays and lesbians to serve openly would be the right thing to do. Time to run up the white flag, folks. Oh, but make sure it's rainbow-colored. <laughs> the next thing we know, they'll be giving out purple hearts for being fabulous under fire. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, a real military hero was there to reject the Admiral's unwanted advances. I'm happy to say that we still have a Congress in the United States that would have to would have to pass a law to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, despite your efforts to, to repeal it in many respects by fiat. By fiat? With all due respect, Senator McCain, it would most likely be by Subaru Outback. <laughs> but McCain is facing some hard opposition from critics with impeccable military credentials. John McCain. The day that the, the leadership of the military comes to me and says, Senator, we ought to change the policy, then I think we ought to consider seriously changing it because those leaders in the military are the ones we give the responsibility to. Notice he said leaders. That means all of them. So far, we've heard from only the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Secretary of Defense, and the Commander-in-Chief. We haven't heard a peep from the Commandant of the Coast Guard, the Chief of Naval Operations, Captain Crunch, Sergeant Slaughter, Major Garrett, Lieutenant Dan, Private Practice, or Colonel Sanders. Oh. 
he smells great. <laughs> Luckily, on this issue, McCain's got a life partner, Senator Saxby Chambliss, who warned just what kind of deviant behavior gays in the military might lead to. Examples include alcohol use, adultery, fraternization, and body art. He's right. <laughs> what will happen if our brave sailors got tattoos, hung around with loose women, or drank alcohol? Before you know it, they'll be freebasing spinach. Activists are out in full force today to protest a new bill that would ban marriage between people who don't love each other. Minnesota Governor Tim Pawlenty expressed his intention to sign the bill earlier this week, saying, quote, I believe the definition of marriage is a union between two people who love each other. In addition to outlawing future loveless unions, the so-called Purity of Marriage Act would also nullify an estimated 53% of marriages in Minnesota. Loveless couples gathered at the state capitol today to voice their opinion that all couples have a right to be married, not just those who can stand each other company. Beth and I have been sitting silently in front of the TV set for 20 years. You can't tell me that's not marriage. Our feelings of codependence are just as strong as a happy couple's love. Just because I talk to her less than I talk to the dog, that doesn't mean that what we have isn't marriage. We didn't choose to feel nothing for each other. That's just the way we are. Joining us now from St. Paul is Onion News Network legal expert Olivia Walker. Hi, Damon. Well, Olivia, this is a real surprise since Minnesota has long been considered a real mecca for loveless couples. Right. The state is full of bland suburbs and buffet restaurants serving endless piles of food, yeah. which loveless couples use to fill the void in their well, hearts. Where is the support for this bill coming from? Well, the bill supporters say for too long they've had to watch these people flaunt their lovelessness, figuring over which peanut butter to buy in grocery stores and mm -hmm. violently brushing lint off of each other's jackets. So to them, these miserable couples offend the very idea of marriage. That's right. There have been reports from around the state of loveless couples suffering harassment, well, that's a even shame. vandalism. Olivia, what about the people who argue that loveless couples can still live together unhappily, right. even if they're sexless unions? aren't technically considered marriage. Well, marriage has legal implications as well. For instance, if one member of a loveless couple got sick, their spouse could no longer visit them in the hospital to berate them about how much that medical bill was going to cost. Well, Olivia, not so long ago, loveless couples felt they had to hide, but the crowds there today show that many people are now comfortable with being openly indifferent to their spouses. That's right. As recently as the 1970s, loveless couples were sent to camps yeah. where it was believed they could be cured of their lovelessness by undergoing group therapy and sharing exercises. But even if the Minnesota law passes, loveless marriage activists will almost certainly try to bring this one before the Supreme Court. Right, and there it could face a lot of opposition. Yeah. At least four of the justices are rumored to be in loveless marriages themselves. Yeah, well, thanks for the update, Olivia. And later in the hour, we'll talk to our economics expert, Joshua Russell, who says a ban on loveless marriage could cripple the already flagging cruise ship industry. But first, Shia LaBeouf has signed a deal with Paramount to ruin another one of your childhood memories. I'm married in the sky.
My hat's off to Barack Obama for directly addressing a fundamental injustice in the military. And that, of course, is the don't ask, don't tell policy. This was discriminatory and foolish and counterproductive from the very start. Discriminatory because heterosexuals in the military didn't have to keep their private lives to themselves. Foolish because other militaries, like Israel's, have long let gays and lesbians serve openly, and it hasn't affected their readiness. So, too, with Great Britain, which, after all, was a founding member of the Coalition of the Willing, and U.S. soldiers served with openly gay and lesbian British soldiers without their presence undermining morale. Counterproductive because Don't Ask, Don't Tell resulted in the dismissal of thousands of dedicated, skillful, intelligent troops at a time when we crucially needed their skills, their intelligence, and their dedication. Don't Ask, Don't Tell also rewarded dishonesty and punished candor. No hiring policy of the U.S. government should be doing that. President Obama, under the gun from all quarters, could have tried to duck this issue, but he didn't. He's faced it squarely, and he's kept his campaign promise, and he deserves praise for that. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. My heart stopped pumping, but my blood is still alive. The rain drowning the trees the sky. My eyes wake up, but my brain sleep her eyes. One more came for a face and not to before we shut our eyes and that's blame can our faces blame you hard and we're both right couldn't care faces in the pines Mark the path and the wood in the wall my pictures all right, very good, Jake. Here is your next quote. Alcohol use, adultery, fraternization, and body art. <laughs> In addition to sounding like a really good time, that was Senator Saxby Chambliss. He was musing on what will become rampant, in his opinion, in the military if they allow whom to serve openly. Homosexuals. Yes, gays, lesbians. Gays. This week marked the first hearing about the don't ask, don't tell policy since the military decided 17 years ago that gays could serve if they just would lie about being gay. So for years it's been like, soldier, do you enjoy ultimate fighting? Well, yes, sir, but not in that way, sir. You know. I love the body art. The body art. The body art. Body art. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, so the, like the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs say they're now for allowing gays in the military, but some conservatives, like Senator Chambliss, are not so sure. You heard him say he was worried that if you allow the gays in, the next thing you know, sailors will be getting tattoos. <laughs> Perhaps of anchors or the word mom. <laughs> I have to say the reaction to this has been weird. Um, Duncan Hunter, he's a Republican congressman and a military veteran, he went on All Things Considered and he said, well, if you let the gays in, then you have to let in, quote, transgenders and hermaphrodites, huh. unquote. He said that. He was worried about the hermaphrodites. He doesn't understand that hermaphrodites would be a tactical asset. They can pursue enemies into both men's and women's restrooms. That's true, yeah. The Taliban will have no place to hide. I don't think that we have any uh, laws on the books preventing hermaphrodites from serving in our military, do we? Well, he's afraid that they'll figure that out. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they fall under the don't ask, can't tell policy. <laughs> 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 I am more proud of this show and love working on it more than anything else I've ever done in my life. And the members who sign up and stick with the show are the ones who allow me to follow my passion. Members sign up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year to support the show. In return, besides my undying gratitude, they also receive bonus material through the members-only raw feed. This includes audio and video content from the show and bonus material that would otherwise end up on the cutting room floor. All of this is delivered in organized feeds so members can access what they want and ignore what they don't. If you're a regular listener of this show and appreciate the service it provides, please consider becoming a member by visiting the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Thanks a lot. Don't ask me why. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, at last week's State of the Union address, President Barack Obama renewed his vow to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, the policy that keeps openly gay Americans from serving in the military. So that's from the Commander-in-Chief. Well, what about military brass? Defense Secretary Robert Gates, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff Admiral Mike Mullen, 
Well, yesterday, Secretary, they went before the Senate Armed Services Committee and stood tall. Mr. Chairman, speaking for myself and myself only, it is my personal belief that allowing gays and lesbians to serve openly would be the right thing to do. No matter how I look at this issue, I cannot escape being troubled by the fact that we have in place a policy which forces young men and women to lie about who they are in order to defend their fellow citizens. Permission to get goosebumps, sir! <laughs> Permission granted. <laughs> but even the top military brass were not enough. You like that? <laughs> You're almost too easy to please, quite frankly. <laughs> even the top military brass were not enough to sway the top senatorial asses. Persons who demonstrate a propensity or intent to engage in homosexual acts would very likely create an unacceptable risk to those high standards of morale, good order and discipline, and effective unit cohesion and effectiveness. One of the most critical elements in combat capability is unit cohesion, that is, the bonds of trust among individual service members. The military fighting two wars and now responding to a new mission in Haiti, now is not the time to make such a big change to military policy. I think, I think, I think the time to do this will be when an everlasting peace has come over the land. <laughs> when, when the lion lays down with the lamb. <laughs> Especially when it comes to the new problems in Haiti. <laughs> you may be wondering why we haven't heard. You may be wondering why we haven't... Hmm. I dropped my pen. Oh, I dropped it again. You may be wondering why we haven't heard from Senator John McCain about this. Not only is he a member of the Armed Services Committee, but a decorated war veteran. Because we don't need to hear from him about this, because we already know what he thinks. Because he already said it just four years ago. The day that the, the leadership of the military comes to me and says, Senator, we ought to change the policy, then I think we ought to consider seriously changing it. And so here they are. The leadership of the military coming to Senator John McCain and saying we ought to change the policy. I'm sure at yesterday's hearing he reaffirmed that commitment. I'm deeply disappointed uh, in your statement. At this moment, immense hardship for our armed services. We should not be seeking to overturn the don't ask, don't tell policy. I'm happy to say that we still have a Congress in the United States that would have to would have to pass a law to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell, despite your efforts to, to repeal it. That thing I said four years ago, I was lying. I'm a maverick. <laughs> oh, man, you know what? What did, what did I ever say in you? I've never seen someone be so dickish about going back on their word. <laughs> For more on this story, we're joined by The Daily Show's senior correspondent, on issues such as this for the military, John Oliver. John? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. John, I'm going to tell you something right here, right now. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm watching Senator McCain. That seemed like a yep. blatant flip-flop mm -hmm. by Senator McCain. What accounts for this? Was he being disingenuous four years ago? Is he being politically expedient now? No, no. John, actually, it's something far, far worse. I think he may simply have forgotten what he said three and a half years ago. Remember, remember, John McCain is 73 years old. And old people, as we all know, are prone to memory lapses. Which actually brings me to my much larger point. Mm -hmm. These are difficult times. The economy in recession, two wars, and now Haiti. I think it's time that we stop letting old people serve in the Senate. <laughs> Let me, let, me, let me play devil's advocate here, because well, I, I definitely see where you're going mm -hmm. here. There are, though, some very good lawmakers mm -hmm. that I know for a fact mm -hmm. are, are old, if not openly so. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, John, that is a good point. We honor their service. But it's simply not worth it anymore. You see, it's not about 
the old person as an individual, John. It's about the people who have to work beside him. It affects Senate cohesion. Remember, these senators work long days in close quarters. It's not fair to the other senators trying to work on legislation, never knowing if one of the olds is going to come up behind them and offer them a hard candy. It happens. It happens, John. It, it happens. These people can't control themselves. But it's... it's it happens. John, I, I have to take exception here. It, it, it is not as though John McCain chose to be old. Oh, he... Really, John? You think he was born old? Well, no, I, I, I don't necessarily... Well, ac actually, in that instance, you're wrong. He was. Have you not seen the man's baby photos? <laughs> He's like a Benjamin Button that got stuck. <laughs> that, fo that photo's gonna haunt me for mm -hmm. a while. <laughs> Let me... Let me see if we can dialogue with this. Let me see if I can sure. propose a compromise. Sure. What if we were to allow old people to serve? Okay. As long as they didn't do it openly. If someone who is old was willing to dye their hair, no. dress, no, dress, no, dress younger, no. use words like fat no. and whack. No. Uh, uh, no. McCain is on Twitter. Jo jo is stop. that stop? Stop. Look. I appreciate their willingness to make me more comfortable. But let's face it, you'd still know they were old. The first time you sat down for a meal with them and wound up spattered with a mist of cottage cheese and nostalgia, it'd all be over. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, then, where do you draw the line at old? Ooh. I, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, well, that's what I'm here to propose. Uh, I, I guess 45, maybe? Something like that. <laughs> Around there? Around there? Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you know that. Uh, whoa, 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 Don't tell me. Do not tell me. I, I do not want to know how old you are. I mean, look, look. I'll be honest. I have my suspicions based on how you dress and how you act, but I, I think it's going to be best that if we're going to continue to, to work alongside each other effectively, we continue to pretend that you are not as old as we both, deep down, know that you are. Okay? Personally, John, personally, I choose to ignore your flaming decrepitude. Oh, man, look at my life. 24 and there's so much more Live alone in a paradise That makes me think of two Love lost such a cost Give me things that don't get lost Like a coin that won't get tossed Rolling home to you Powell is the sort of American public figure who offers a lot of politicians a lot of political cover. There's not a lot of risk, especially if you're a Republican, to saying, I'm with General Powell on this or that subject. And so it has been regarding the military's don't ask, don't tell policy. Back in 1993, General Powell was opposed to gay people serving openly in the military. And as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, he persuaded Congress and the Clinton administration to adopt the don't ask, don't tell policy. At the 1993 Senate Armed Services Committee hearings on gays in the military, General Powell said that there are, quote, those of us who believe that the presence of open homosexuality would have an unacceptable, detrimental, and disruptive impact on the cohesion, morale, and esprit of the armed forces. I also know that this is not the end of the matter. The debate will continue. I also don't pretend to know where the nation will be on this issue years in the future. As recently as last summer, politicians as seasoned and mavericky as Senator John McCain were using General Powell's position to justify their own. Speaking to our pal Anna Marie Cox on Air America Radio, Mr. McCain said that he relied on General Powell's opinion. My opinion is shaped by the view of the leaders of the military. The reason why I supported 
the policy to start with was because General Colin Powell, who was then chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, is the one that, that strongly recommended we adopt this policy in the Clinton administration. I have not heard General Powell or any of the other military leaders reverse their position. Well, now General Powell has reversed his position. Today, releasing this statement, quote, in the almost 17 years since the Don't Ask, Don't Tell legislation was passed, attitudes and circumstances have changed. I fully support the new approach presented to the Senate Armed Services Committee this week by Secretary of Defense Gates and Admiral Mullen, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. You know, if this were the part of Senator McCain's career in which he earned that reputation for being the principled maverick of the Senate, Senator McCain would put out a statement now saying that in light of General Powell's remarks, he's reconsidering his policy position because McCain always said that position was based on General Powell's advice. I don't think this is that part of Senator McCain's career anymore, but we'll see. Joining us now is Pennsylvania Democratic Congressman Patrick Murphy. He is an Iraq War veteran. He has taken the lead in the House in the effort to repeal the Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy as a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Congressman Murphy, thanks very much for joining us. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for having me back on the show. How important is General Powell's change of heart on this, on this subject? Absolutely huge. The fact that General Powell, Secretary Gates, Admiral Mullen, these past two days have been a tremendous success in our efforts to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. In today's House Armed Services Committee hearing, uh, you and um, another veteran, Pennsylvania Democratic Congressman Joe Sestak, who's a retired Navy admiral, you both expressed um, skepticism that the Pentagon needs a year-long process to figure out how to implement a change in this policy. Why are you skeptical? Well, it, I just wanted to make sure that I, I had them on record, but they were very clear, Rachel. It wasn't a question of if they were going to do this. It was a question of how. So now we have a dual track process. Basically, the Congress needs to act. We need to overturn the law that the Congress put in place almost 17 years ago. At the same time, the Pentagon, because the military leadership has been very clear that they want to repeal it, are now figuring out how they're going to do that. They said they're going to get done this calendar year. They're not going to delay. And I thought that was a tremendous uh, statement by Secretary Gates today. So you feel like the implementation study and review process that they're talking about, updating the RAND study, some of the other things that the secretary and the, and the chairman talked about yesterday, you feel like that's essentially an appropriate timeline in terms of getting this done as, as quickly as it can be done. And, and they were very clear, Rachel, because that was my question today in the armed services hearing at, that it was a question of doing it this calendar year and how they're gonna implement the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. So now we have the president, we have the top military leadership of our country, and now it is time for the Congress to act, to do the right thing, to stand up for those men and women that are willing to take a bullet for our country to defend us, to allow them to serve openly. When we last talked about your bill to repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell uh, in the House, uh, it was very memorable. You said that your strategy was to personally, individually, you yourself, lobby every single member of the House on the matter. I got to ask how it's going. It's going great. Since the last time I was on, we got 35 new members of Congress to be co-sponsors of this bill. So now we're up to 187 co-sponsors. I have about two dozen more folks in the Congress that said they're going to vote for it if it comes up for a vote. And we're working every day to get even more, and we will have the votes when it comes up for a vote this year. It feels to me right now, um, as opposed to 1993, that the opposition on this is a little incoherent, that they're a little confused. And I don't think that's wishful thinking because of how everybody knows I feel about this policy. It just seems to me like it's unsustainable now for opponents of repealing this policy to say that they're on the military's side while they're siding against Admiral Mullen and General Powell and General Shalakashvili. Do you have a sense of what you're up against about what the strategy is on the other side of this now? Uh, they're going to throw every, all everything at us. And, you know, Bobby Kennedy once said that change has enemies and change is hard. So I, I am not taking anything for granted, even though we have the past two chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, well, uh, two former ones, uh, Shell Havili, Colin Powell, and now the current one, Ira Mullen, and the Secretary of Defense, and the Commander-in-Chief, and frankly, the American public, I am not taking anything for granted. We need to make sure that we get this done this year. We act with a sense of urgency. There are so many heroes that are serving right now in our armed services that are one day or one month away from being turned in because they happen to be gay. Not for any type of sexual misconduct, but just because they're gay. It's wrong, it hurts our national security, and that's why we need to change it.
Banks for listening, everyone. So as you may have noticed, this episode happened to be filled with almost nothing but comedy. You know, we, we have Rachel Maddow, who's, you know, really holding down the fort on this issue. And there were just a couple of other clips. And besides that, everyone else was making fun of this issue. And, you know, this is something that I noticed as I was compiling the clips for the show. It wasn't done intentionally. I just, I got together all the clips I had on on gay rights and, and then more specifically, Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And when I looked, I thought, wow, this is a lot of comedy. And, uh, you know, that happened just by chance. But it, it reminded me of back in, I, I guess it was probably September, because the big gay rights march in Washington, D.C. was just maybe a week, you know, maybe a couple of weeks after the big 9-12 rally that Glenn Beck sponsored, essentially. And so there was all the, the uproar about how Fox News sent out teams of people to cover the, uh, the 9-12 rally and pump up the crowd and, and cheerlead the whole thing and then didn't send a crew at all just a week later when an equal-sized number of people were march- marching through the, the city to, uh, to demand gay rights. So anyway, so it was back in September, and I went to that rally, and I remember thinking it at the time, and then as I talked with friends about it later, I remember saying, I, I, I told my friend, you know, I was at that rally, and I was thinking the whole time, this is ridiculous. The fact that this march is happening is ridiculous. That it's it's ridiculous that this has to happen. It's ridiculous that all these people need to be here to demand gay rights. Like it's 2009. This is absurd. And the like the best sign that I saw in in that rally. I think I even used a picture of it uh, for a gay rights episode. You know, back back then, kind of when it happened. And the sign said, I shouldn't have to be here. And I thought, that is exactly right. <laughs> so to me, this, this whole, the whole gay rights issue is absurd because the outcome, you know, the eventual outcome is so written on the wall. It's so obvious that we're going to win. It's so obvious that all these injustices are eventually going to be overturned that trying to put the brakes on it just seems pathetic. Like... You're, you're standing in the way of progress that's obviously going to happen against your will eventually anyways. So now this week I get ready to put this show together and it's it's 90% comedy. And I thought, yeah, that, you know, that's pretty fitting. This, this topic really deserves to be made fun of. It, it really doesn't deserve, like, serious conversation. Uh, you know, this, this shouldn't be a serious debate about where we go from here. This is... Uh, you know, detractors of gay rights or, or, or opponents of gay rights deserve to be mocked and ridiculed. So I'm really glad that that's how this show turned out is that we're essentially to the point where we're just making fun of anyone who doesn't agree with us because it's absurd at this point. So that's what I have to say about that. Before I go, I just want to thank a couple of members who make this show possible. Uh, first of all, uh, I think the oldest member I haven't thanked yet, William R. signed up on August 12th and, uh, and then more recently, J- Jason G. signed up uh, just on February 9th. And Jason went uh, above and beyond and, uh, and signed up for a full year in advance. So huge thanks to Jason. Thanks to William for, for sticking with the show for so long. Members absolutely make this show possible. Uh, if you just haven't heard yet, the podcast is now my full-time job. So I'm you know, more in need of members now than ever before. I've, I described it once before and... and it's uh, I've been visualizing members signing up. Uh, every new member is like a, a puff of air being blown into a life raft for me. And and so uh, I just can't thank the members enough for, for making this possible and blowing up that life raft. So far, it's just enough that uh, that I can get by. So every new member is is blowing more air into that life raft and, and making this uh this podcast as as a full-time gig for me possible and then because of that of course starting in march i'm going to be doing 10 shows a month instead of eight as it is as you know it, it just seems like the right thing to do obviously if i have more time to do it then i want to give back uh, to you guys as much as i can so that's going to be it for today uh you know support the show uh, membership obviously as i mentioned but uh just spreading the word to five friends you know just 
five five is a great goal if you can do five that's awesome uh if you want to just tell everyone you come across uh you know strangers on the street uh that would be great as well spreading the word online helps a lot as well so five star reviews in itunes and then every month just just go ahead and make it a part of your habit every month you know you listen to the best of the left you got to support the show so just make it a part of your habit go vote every month at podcast alley that keeps us in the top 10 and and more people find the show that way besides that there's a support the show box on the website at bestoftheleft.com all the ways you can support the show are right there you can stay connected to the show between episodes by uh, joining up at twitter.com slash bestoftheleft and facebook.com slash bestoftheleft. And finally, links to the music and sources used in this episode are in the show notes for this episode and every episode. So links, links to all the music you hear are right there on the website. So coming to you from inside the Beltway and border yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every Wednesday and every weekend soon to be 10 times a month, thanks only to members and donors from bestoftheleft.com. Thought I'd find some black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you wanna meet A dying man in a living room The shadow bases the floor Take you out in the open door This is not my life It's just a fond friend I want to a friend It's not what I'm like It's just a fond friend I want to a friend Hi, my name is Mike Could I have your ears for a real short rant? This message is totally unsolicited. In fact, the only way you could be hearing my message right now is because Jay heard this very same recording and gave me a little space. So thanks, Jay. Hey, talk about penny-pinching in this economy. I've whittled down a normal middle-class existence to my current bare-bones income, and I do it on early Social Security retirement. That's 25% less than regular Social Security. $5 is a lot of money to me, but I consider it important enough to give those dollars to Jay every month to further his great program, the twice-weekly Best of the Left podcast. So if you could possibly squeeze a subscription into your budget, do it. Hey, if I can come up with a fiver every month, I think most people can. And if you can't, keep listening, do those free things that Jay asks you to do, and then subscribe when you can. Thanks.